Nick Brown, Global Editor on Archives. Today we're not looking at a specifically global issue, though one that is relevant worldwide. I'm going to be talking to Jess Morgan, a registrar from West Yorkshire, and Colin Powell, pediatrician from Cardiff, about Archimedes and leading article they've respectively written on the use of hypo versus isotonic saline. It's a very provocative subject that has been a source of a considerable amount of confusion over a, a very great number of years. And I think their papers have clarified things to a large extent. So I'll start with Colin. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about the history of the use of hypotonic fluids, Colin, and why the recent change? Yes, of course. I've been practicing paediatrics now for over 25 years. And when I was an SHO, our instructions, and this is for maintenance fluids we're talking about, the instructions we used to get was put up some four and a fifth which meant 4% dextrose and 0.18% saline. And it's quite interesting going back into the history of this, looking at the original paper. So this is from 1957 by Holliday and Seagard, published in Pediatrics. This is, the paper's widely quoted as the rationale behind the fluid requirements for children. And they came out with recommendations that essentially meant that they felt that using 4% and 0.18% saline, which is clearly um, hypotonic, would be appropriate for the requirements for the sodium and for the indeed chloride and the fluid requirements. Looking at their original paper, they based that on pretty well breastfed infants to start off with. And they also recommended that maybe there were some specific clinical situations where you might need to alter this. But that seemed to be the baseline for the prescription that we did for a number of years. It became quite clear since then that there were quite a lot of situations where that was not adequate and hyponatremia was being identified, not just in very complicated patients, certainly on intensive care with a lot of significant illness, but also in general paediatric problems. And the number of case reports with pneumonia, minor burns, viral respiratory tract infections and pneumococcal meningitis were reported where there was actually encephalopathy and seizures and indeed death felt to be associated with the hyponatremia that these children have been I guess, iatrogenically had developed. And these sort of levels of 107 millimoles per litre, 130 millimoles per litre, but the sort of highest one where there was a problem was 128. So clearly mm. it became apparent that that wasn't sufficient sodium in, in the fluids. In 2007, then, we had a National Patient Safety Authority alert saying that we should actually ban 0.18% saline with 4% glucose because of this risk. And they were defining as fluid-induced hyponatremia as a plasma sodium less than 135. And, in fact, later on in 2012, it was quite clear from the MHRA that this should be banned altogether and should not be used unless in specialist situations. This was also um, happening in America, and there was a number of alerts there suggesting that we should not be using 0.18% saline. But there are two surveys out there from the UK and from America that demonstrate quite clearly people are still using hypotonic uh, low sodium levels and are prescribing it for those common problems. So even though there's alerts out there, people are still using hypotonic fluids. Thanks, Colin. So that in a way, what you just said at the end makes both your papers even more relevant, the fact that these alerts have not resulted in universal changes in practice. So, Jess, tell me about the scenario in your Archimedes paper and what your findings were. So, the scenario was based on a six-year-old with severe tonsillitis who was admitted to hospital because he wasn't drinking. He needed intravenous maintenance fluids prescribing. And as the new registrar in this hospital, I prescribed the fluid that I was used to using, which was 0.9% saline with 5% dextrose. I was quite promptly told by the nursing staff that that wasn't what they used locally 
and to change my prescription to 0.45% saline with 5% dextrose, which I did. But this situation got me thinking about our options for intravenous maintenance fluids and what fluids we can choose from. So we've got isotonic fluids such as 0.9% saline, or we've got hypotonic saline, so 0.45 or even 0.18% saline. But like Colin Powell has said, this National Patient Safety Alert has seen 0.18% saline sort of being phased out of UK practice routinely in the UK in pediatrics. But 0.45% saline is still very much used across the country. Secondly, I thought a little bit about our patient population. And in general pediatrics, patients are often at high risk of SIADH and low sodiums due to pathologies like pneumonia and central nervous system infection. And so is hypotonic saline, 0.45%, really wise in this group? Um, And that led me to my clinical question. In children who are more than three months old, does isotonic saline compared to hypotonic saline reduce the risk of hyponatremia? And I carried out a sort of standard electronic search using three electronic databases and yielded a total of 21 studies, many of which were included within various systematic reviews that I identified. Hmm. I went on to appraise these, and essentially all of the studies showed that there was an increased risk of hyponatremia with hypotonic saline. And the early studies recruited a lot of children on pediatric intensive care and surgical patients, and it's difficult to know how well these results apply to our pediatric population. However, the more recent randomized control trials have attempted to recruit more medical patients and definitely represent our general pediatric population a bit more realistically. Did you find enough to pull the results? Was there enough there to uh, meta-analyze the results? The largest trial was a systematic review of 10 randomized control trials, and that already included a meta-analysis with no statistical heterogeneity, with an I-square of zero and a statistically significant risk ratio of 0.48%. So there was definite clinical significance there. The other studies we weren't able to meta-analyze together, but each individual study for those three randomized control trials was statistically significant. And just one further point on this was, did the studies of your hypotonic group include both 0.18% and 0.45? They did, yes. However, when we eliminated the 0.18% ones, the results did seem to trend still towards the protective effects of 0.9%. So even with the outliers taken out, there's still a risk? Yes. My worry is several of the recent randomized control trials, I'm talking recent, i.e. published this year, have still been randomizing children to 0.18% saline. That's sobering, isn't it? So which leads me to the next question, Colin. Are, Are there any downsides to normal saline? It's clearly safer from a hyponatremia point of view. Why isn't everyone using it? It's just worthwhile just revisiting what Sarah just said because I think the biggest study that's been published, this was the study from Melbourne, um, actually used 0.45% and then plasma light as their their comparator. So they didn't actually use 0.18% and that had a a large number of patients. I think there was just one of those studies, wasn't there, Sarah, that actually had 0.18% saline, just to be clear. The people are still putting that in studies, but but in the one with the largest group of patients, they were still 0.5% as being compared. I think yeah. that's the one that's probably that's the hypotonic fluid that most people, if they are using hypotonic, will be using. So what are the what are the concerns about the literature and using hypotonic saline? I think it's worthwhile just sort of thinking about the population that have been reviewed in those papers and in the in the recent three ones that uh, Jess has just been talking about. There's only one of the studies there that actually have had children less than three months of age. 
and that was the Freedman paper. It only had 110 children in, so very few above a month. So actually not enough power to show any major complications at all. And I think that's one of the issues yeah. about all of these studies. There aren't enough power in them to demonstrate mm. quite clearly the risks. The potential risks are, particularly in the smaller kiddies, uh, having hypernatremia, being given too much sodium, and that's one of the arguments for the younger children not receiving normal saline. And in fact, also in that group, uh, considering the chloride load as well, developing potentially a hyperchloremic acidosis, again mm. in the younger group. And if you look at the plasma light that's used in the Sarah McNabb study, that's actually got lower levels of um, chloride compared to normal saline. And that might mm. be worthwhile reconsidering at the end of this discussion about what we should be using. The other question to think about is actually, even with this mild hyponatremia, how clinically significant actually is that? If it's above 130, and again in that now paper from Melbourne, they remove children from the study if their sodium dropped down to 130, so they're not actually demonstrating or reducing the risk of having any complications. So having a bit of mild hyponatremia, the question is, what does that really mean? Although it's clearly a surrogate for potential problems. On top of that, there's issues about the volume of fluid prescribed as well. And actually, does fluid restriction, is that more important than the hypotonicity? And it's interesting dissecting that question a bit further, looking at the systematic reviews, actually it seems to be more the hypotonicity that's more important than the fluid volume. Mm. We're, we're obviously very often restricted to two-thirds maintenance, but actually it may be the hypotonicity that's more important than the, the fluid concentration. When you look at the potential adverse events, so this thing is a seizure, death, cerebral edema, overhydration, it really isn't possible in all of those analyses to really be clear about it, although it seems to be highly unlikely to be a complication using hypotonic fluids and indeed isotonic fluids. That's really nicely put, Colin. Thanks. Jess, so where does that leave uh, 0.45%? I think I would start off by suggesting that 0.9% with 5% dextrose become the sort of standard fluid for intravenous maintenance in children over the age of three months old. Like Colin said, it's, it's difficult to extrapolate this data for younger children because most of these studies have been conducted in children over the age of three months old. Banning 0.5% at this stage seems quite a drastic measure, particularly for the mm. reasons that Colin has just described, and also for the fact that low sodium, a slightly borderline low sodium, do we know how clinically relevant that is? So I suppose there are some more Archimedes questions hidden away in this conversation, <laughs> but, but at this stage, going back to your question, I, I would advocate favoring 0.9% saline with 5% dextrose in more than three-month-old children and reserving 0.45% for specific cases. That all sounds very reasonable. Has your Archimedes uh, yet led to a change in practice in the ward in which you had your arm twisted? It, using... is, it is in the process. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Can I just add something? Because I'm just thinking about whether we should be considering more balanced fluids, such as Hartman's or the plasma light 148 that they used in Melbourne, where they, you know, the chloride is being addressed as well, and maybe 0.9% saline, and that certainly seems to be a safe and appropriate, but maybe we should be thinking about the more balanced fluids there for maintenance fluids. I think the other thing's just worthwhile emphasising. Uh, we, we do know of various audits that have been done where people, when they're on IV fluids, have not had their, their use and ease regularly followed up and checked and routinely done on a daily basis while they're on IV fluids. And it's, we're not just talking about the sodium and the fluid volume here. We're talking about everything else in fluid balance, such, mm. including the potassium and monitoring that. There was one final thing, wasn't there, that you had identified in this process, and that was the problem of too many meta-analyses all been doing at the same time. Jess, what did you identify? Because that's another conclusion in your Archimedes, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, quite right. So within my search strategy, I identified three systematic reviews that had all been 
published within the last year. And each of these systematic reviews compiled the evidence from pretty much the same randomized control trials. So there's a massive amount of duplication of work. And there's a prospective register for systematic reviews called PROSPERO, which authors are encouraged to register with to try and reduce this amount of duplication of work and crossover and try and get people to think about relevant studies and not duplicate their work like this. Thank you so much. That's been a really interesting session.